Hey, this is Bryant Arnold, also known as Dragon from Skinwalker Ranch, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. You know, Steve, uh, let, let me ask, because people are going to be shouting at me if I don't ask this. You mentioned just before that you, you've seen alternative footage. Was that of the same Tic Tac event? No. I got independent footage from people on the coastline, the Mexican okay. shoreline. Yeah, and uh, of the Tic Tacs. In flight, colour, beautiful colour. Daylight, beautiful. So um, why why doesn't that... Why isn't it one online, or why wouldn't you release that? The second one, I'm guessing, is an obvious answer to. Um, I'm waiting for the other stuff. I'm waiting for them to be to release it so I can match it up, you know. But I've got it, and I've yeah, I've shown it a couple of times on. Um, in fact, you might actually see it on, on, on one of my presentations. I have shown it, yeah, recorded by a friend of mine called uh, called, uh, called Amber. Uh, it wasn't Amber, by the way. <laughs> my name was Amber. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I've got color footage, and I'm looking at this daylight footage. It's not too far away. It's pretty reasonably close. And um, and yet, I've got better stuff out there than the, than the than the Navy are putting out. You know, so. And, and I also know from the top, from talking in circles with how put off, there's about 22 videos in, they've got which have never been released. You know, there's not just gun camera infrared footage they've got. They've got all sorts of stuff, but they're not releasing it. Um, I am suspicious, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I look through all the dating times of, of when these incidents take place. There's always installation of stuff that's happening. Um, I'm, one, I'm just looking for a key element to take place. Because, you know, I... When I look back at main breaks and naval operations, I've had these encounters with UAP before, and not like that. They've always been very different, you know, to the point where a UFO, uh, a disc-shaped object, was hovering over the seen in the sky. Then, um, then more objects were seen. An apparition of a person was seen who gave naval officers information pertaining to the engine of the USS Saratoga was going to blow up the following day uh, and, he, and he walked off just through the hull uh, part and parcel of the UAP phenomena and the apparition again come together uh, and it was only when the, that information happened and they went and checked they realised that if they didn't act upon it it would have the, the, the Saratoga would have gone down the following day that's, now that's extremely well documented it's got numerous different official naval people involved here um and it's a very well-known incident i mean that's just one i mean you could get into main brace even better but you know but and then this phenomenon the, this thing about the tic tac and all that sort of thing you know the most recent one was the there was a, a one particular naval aircraft was swarmed swarmed by drones that's what he was saying um and um the, and then there was a reference to the kind of saying well maybe that the drones were um um drones you can buy it was done for people on land uh, but i talked to a drone expert and he said there's absolutely no way we haven't got drones in the public you know just out for the public to buy with the capabilities of flying that length of time to be doing those maneuvers and having so many do those over that distance it was just impossible it had to be something else um, so I agree. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Don't know why they refer, refer to them as drones. What's different about them that makes them refer them to drones? At this moment in time, we don't know if the Tic Tac is uh, piloted. We have no idea if it's piloted or not. Um, the maneuvers would suggest no. 
if it's, you know, under our normal physics. Um, also that in some cases, some of the phenomena doesn't seem to interact with the physics of, uh, of, it, of its environment, which would lead me to believe, yet some of these things might be the phenomena. Um, but I'm not seeing that connected to tic tac yet. Sure. You know, that, yeah, maybe some of the other bits, but um, so a bit like that. You know, there are some wonderful toys out there. I know we've got radio, I know we're not not only radar invisibility, but we got actual visible visual invisibility now. Um, that's manufactured. It's been out there for a long time, uh, amongst lots of other wonderful toys and what they're building, utilizing meta materials now and a newfound study. Um, who knows? Who really knows what's actually out there and what's being used? I mean, it's, at the end of the day, we probably will never know. You know, it's uh, probably for at least another 50 or 100 years if we're lucky at so, you know, because it is such a technological jump. Um, but I would say we've got some wonderful toys. But the question is, if we have those wonderful toys, where are they? You know, uh, are they being seen? Are they being shown? Um, I've got a really good, some really good. There's a really good image on that presentation there of uh, of, a, of an object seen over Florida uh, of October 2019, which we analysed, and uh, it's a very close up of an object which defies normal lift for it moving through the sky. It doesn't have any numbers, lettering, or identification on it, and it clearly looks like something that comes straight out of a Star Wars film. But it's there. There's 20 odd different witnesses. It was a live event that took place. Everybody was recording it, um, and and it was seen. Um, I would say, if you know, for those people that have a look at that presentation and uh, look at that object taken over Florida, that is our technology, you know. But um, you know, as to what else it could be, you know, is who knows. Hopefully, over a period of time, I'll see something that will lead me to trigger. Well, okay, I'm going to go that way is phenomena, or I'm going to go that way is more technological. Um, at this moment, I wouldn't really want to call it, to be honest. Steve, there's a lot I still want to get to, including Awakening, we're going to speak about in just a moment, but a lot of things I wanted to follow up on with you there. I've made a few notes, and I think that's one for, for down the line, if you would do me uh, the pleasure of coming mm -hmm. back on to speak about a variety of different things. Yeah, I, I, sure. want, I want to ask, just before we get to Awakening, recent hearings in the US a couple of weeks ago on UFOs or UAPs happened in the Congress. How did those meet your expectations of, of what was going to happen? Yeah, okay, well, I watched them. Um, and to be honest, I thought they were useless. <laughs> to be honest with you. Same old thing going round and round and round. Yeah, we had debates on on objects in the sky with aircraft back in the 1940s, 44, 45, 46, you know, with the Foo Fighters and that type of stuff. You know, um, it's just a regurgitation. It's not like we're back in, it's just a replay of historical events going over and over. It might be under a new name of UAP, but we're still back in the same situation. Ignore the last 70 years and reboot it in a sense of speaking. But they showed two pieces, two or three pieces of video footage, all were absolutely useless, all were lousy, you know, to the point where, well, why show one where you can identify, when you can identify what it is? If it's infrared and it's causing a triangular shape through its lens, then why even show it? I've got better scuff. Yeah, I've got better stuff here. We could have shown at that hearing. Um, and asking questions about, you know, well, you know, the IC, ICBMs being affected by you. It was like, what? 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 Oh, you don't know about that. We haven't been, we haven't got paperwork on that. Hello, where have you been for the last 70 years? You know, this is how, well, this is why it's so darn important that we, we hang on to that. Lap. We don't lose it. That 70 years or whatever of information is so, so important. 
because we can go back and say, well, hang on a second. I'll tell you what you do. I'll, I'll give you the Freedom of Information Act files. Don't even have to go and look for them. I'll give them you, pal. Here they are. Yeah. There's 40 pages of documented. There's generals. There's captains. There's lieutenants. You name them. Right? There's a big long list of all these people that are involved. It's trackable data. You can go back and look at it. You can see the investigation. You can see the conclusions. You can see the results. And they're signed off and they're official documents. If I can find them through the FOIA, these guys, they should be able to have them on a penny. No problem. And that's the problem of ignoring the last 70 years. Yeah. We're all, we need data. We need to find out new information. And no, you don't. You know, it's all there. Yeah. You can call it a different name, but still the same phenomena. And the problem for me is now is that, you know, the guys that there doesn't seem to be anybody that's really pushing to say, okay, what is it? And where do we go from now? Everyone's talking about a threat, 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 threat. Well, we've always had the threat, 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 you know? Um, when was the last time a UFO took down an aircraft? I don't really know when they, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, what is that threat? Well, the problem for me is, is that when you generate enough threat, it creates money because a defensive program has to take place. And a defensive program, when it's a threat, costs trillions. That trillions could be very usefully plowed into the warring of... Uh, uh, of space, you know, weapon, weaponizing space. Know that they keep playing every single year for it, uh, and they get knocked back through Congress because it has to break the 1976 treaty, US Treaty Act, Space Treaty Act, which was putting that purposely to stop anybody, anybody from manipulating uh, and monopolizing uh, space. They're already doing it. That's why Space Force came forward, not because they're going to do it. That's because they're already doing it. We can't keep a lid on it anymore. There's so many defense contractors that know about it. Eventually, it's going to spill. Let's make it official. And then they'll bring it out. So Space Force is official now because the first satellite I know was weaponized in place in 1965. You know, and that was linked in Project Moondust, Blue Fly, and Gemini. Um, and that was all linked into Wright-Patterson Air, Air Force Base study of the phenomena. So it's not something you but defense money you've got to get you've got to play a story to get it to be honest with you and there's no better story than the threat at the moment everyone keeps saying threat 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 uh and my question is well you know even during the second world war when we encountered this from what threat was there that was a high 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 demand of threat at that time well are they talking about icbms and well it's a demonstration of power or or what's going on you know because uh you know is that is that a threat Playing, you know, playing, well, the, playing devil's yeah. advocate, Steve. Uh, you may have heard this. Lou, Lou Elizondo in the past has talked about the the muddy bootprints. That if you know, if you wake up in the morning and there are muddy bootprints all through your house, which was totally locked up, totally secured. You've got the best CCTV, and you've got the wife and kids, you know, in, the, in their in their bed. And the next morning, nothing's moved. No one was harmed, but those muddy bootprints are there. You're going to feel threatened because you don't know what it was, you don't know who it was, you don't know why they were there, but you know something managed to penetrate your kind of secure living area. And if you just blow that up to a government, a powerful government or any government, and you have a military which gets billions and trillions spent on it, and you have you have yeah. all this fantastic technology you talk about that that we do have, and any any government and country has, especially the US, the Chinese, the Russians, um. Would you not understand, again, I'll play devil's advocate, that you would perceive that as a threat, that there seems to be something else, something better, regardless of the, the actual intent being known it as a threat? Um, I think anybody would perceive it to be a threat. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, I mean, internally, though, you know, there was that exactly the same thing was happening 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Exactly the same thing. You know, the 
the government, US government, we were very well versed in regarding what is really a threat or not, because it's the same threat they had on the table 70 years ago, and they're still back in the same place. So what's new? Why all of a sudden is such an effort in regarding, oh, well, there's a threat? I mean, it was 70 years ago with aircraft and flying around, you know, commercial aircraft and military aircraft, you know, misidentifying them as we flew across Europe, which was under the SHAPE program, you know, where which was being monitored. Um, but it's exactly the same. If it is a threat, I mean, how long does a threat become a threat when nothing happens in the last 70 years and it's still a threat? I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, when once we venture into the sky and we, we, we experience this phenomena, um, it hasn't changed its hasn't changed its routine. It's always maintained what it wants to maintain, you know. Um, we're not seeing something new, a new deliverable threat. What we're seeing is it is the same old threat, you know, that, that something is in our skies. Um, and it could cause this, and it could cause that. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's always been the same. For me, at the hierarchy, I would say, in that if I was in the government, I'd be looking at that and saying, well, it might be deliverable to the general public as a threat, but really on record, it's the same old, same old, same old, same old, which has been going on for the last 70 years, if not longer. Um, and nothing happened throughout those generations. So why over and all of a sudden now is it, is it the, the determination for the threat? It could be that, you know, that it's just a matter of you want to get any money into a research program. You've got to show something or make it worthy to do so. And it might be because, it's, you know, there is lots of money. It could be ploughed into some form of research here or into defence program. I mean, what's that mean? Does that mean that they want to, they want to build weaponized objects in space uh, so that they can fire down on these objects? Because they're moving so fast, they have to use Mesa weaponry. They're never going to reach them by missile, you know. Um, and we saw probably elements of that back in the STS forces from the 1990s. You know, probably firing makes a weapon that there's some of these objects, and he's can still outmove with them. <laughs> what, so, what about the reports of the obviously nuclear weapons being turned on and off again as our technologies improved? And like you say, they've not actively, as far as we know, we should cl- you know clarify that done anything directly threatening. But again, speaking with my general's hat on here, who's in charge of a nuclear exactly. arsenal, same thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking going, but these can turn off our best and most advanced weaponry. Again, that's to me, I would perceive that as a threat being in the military, yeah. being in the government. So I, I again I I appreciate that point of view and seventy, seventy-five years, potentially longer if you go back to Egyptian times, biblical times, and even before that, have these, you know, cave paintings for God's sake, you know, is is that a long time for them? Maybe they are just observing. Maybe it's not in for yeah. us. Look at the, the advancements in that 70 years we have made technologically. It just maybe comes to a point it's, that... It's, it's interesting. I mean, what's interesting is that when they analysed those um, nuclear warheads, um, what they found was, I mean, they do a completely intact, the nuclear warheads. You know, I mean, you take some getting into, but they were completely intact. It's only when they actually took them apart and looked inside that wires and things had been physically moved. How does things physically move inside? It's like it's a paranormal action taking place inside the warhead, deliverable by some beams of light coming from an object. Again, it's just so profound. But is it is it, it, it is it a demonstration of force? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the intent is behind it. It's problematic, um, you know. But um, 
I mean, they've they've, come, they've they've been offline and then suddenly just come back on right at the last seconds. You know, um, maybe it is a it's not a demonstration of force. It's a, certainly a demonstration of technology that they have. Maybe it's a message. Maybe it's to say, look, you know, we have the capabilities of doing this. Um, because you know, I think certainly nuclear stuff um, certainly grabs our attention. Absolutely. I don't, not because I don't think that, you know, not because I think they care for you, humanity. I don't think that is the case. I think they don't care for planet Earth. They probably least care about us, you know, because they don't seem to get involved in our, in our wars and stuff very often. So, uh, but certainly attracted to them and monitoring them. So, it reminds um, me of, of those old cartoons where you've got a bully with a weapon and the bigger, stronger brother comes along and takes the weapon yeah. and just bends it and gives it back as if to say, <laughs> stop. And, you know, they're not threatening, yeah, but they're just making a point. I, you know, I find it amusing that they that they do that, um, and it's not just the Americans they've done it to. They've done it, you know. They've made a they made an effort to demonstrate something on a global basis, um, because at the end of the day, you know, are we taking in consideration the planet? We don't think about that when we go to war, do we? You know, we just think we just think about people and politics. Um, we don't think about the planet, and I think I think might, they might have a, a better understanding that. Well, you know what? We, we don't really care what you're doing, but if it starts interfering with, you know, uh, fundamentally the planet, then we might have something to say about that. Who knows? But never have one of them actually intervened to try and assist us in regarding bettering the ecological system of planet Earth. It's always a one-line deliverable message. Which is pointless being given because they usually give it to school kids. <laughs> I was literally going to say about the aerial phenomenon documentary that's just been out, and that was oh, one. You seen it? Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah, it was, it was no, really I'll good. Tell you, I'll tell you what, it did it for me was, and I keep saying about how this phenomenon phenomenon is so deceptive and and manipulative, is that most of the children ran away from the craft when it came down on the ground, but only a handful, a few of them, approached the craft, which were girls, funny enough, um, and. Um, they saw a particular entity on the craft, which was first described as one entity on the craft, uh, which looked like a grey, typical grey alien in a black boiler suit. And uh, they're watching this thing and um, moving closer to it. They were getting quite close. And all of a sudden, another one appears at a flash. But this one's got long, dark hair. Because the young girls had long, darkish hair. It was try- I think it was try- kind of a little bit of a, oh, I'm a little bit like you. And this figure, um, they said, we were, they were absolutely transfixed on this figure uh, and not the one. There's like the one on the craft didn't exist anymore. They're looking at this thing. And it's running from from from, from running from where it was, manifest, just, just appeared as it runs left. But as it ran, it was running really slowly, like an astronaut on the moon. It was like in slow motion. And it'd get to the end and disappear, like a light bulb go off and reappear. And it happened again. Like a loop. And it was a loop. It was like a, it was like a, I don't think that was real. I think that was here. I think that the other entity was, was did this. And it, it, it was clouding the mind. It was causing confusion. It's a bit like the glamouring effect, like I mentioned earlier. I mean, I mean, and maybe that any real entity, you know, is put on this lovely magician's hand display over here, is doing what it wants to do, uh, and they put poor kids, those three kids, didn't have a clue what was what was happening, uh, and only afterwards they were, you know, maybe it got interrupted, but only afterwards it was, you know, when you talked to them, they were saying, well, I got this kind of message that he wanted us to go with him, you know, sort of thing, and I thought, well, just to manifest that, 
and one with long dark hair and it's a bit sinister it's a bit creepy it's a bit sinister and, and i think to myself that's that deception there you know oh look at this don't false don't look at me i'm not involved you look at this i'm generating in your mind you know um and that's what i found really interesting about that because i didn't know that um that they were deceptive probably parts of that um, experience until I found out the inner details of some of those kids. So, oh, Steve. Uh, but again, it's the same old story. You know, why deliver that? Why deliver these messages to kids? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, if you want to make a difference, you can. It's like a one-liner. They all tell you. It's like, oh, if you meet these humans and they ask you, oh, this is the one-liner to feed them. You know, because they all say the same thing. What I've said, though, if you, if you think of it this way, those kids were given a message 25 years ago and at the time, it's that one-liner. It's a small group of children in rural Zimbabwe, of all places. However, 25 years later, uh, a very powerful documentary has been made, which has had an impact, had a release, which is yep. now being seen by people all around the world. If that message at the time, which it was reported on, didn't really travel, we didn't have the same type of broadcast media, social media. And it seems that that message getting out now is the best time to do it because we have social media. So maybe the message was delivered then to get out now. And spread that well, yeah, way. I mean, it's not the first time. I mean, those messages have been delivered since the 1950s, you know. Uh, 1951 was the first message about ecology, you know. And, and it still didn't make any difference the great, the great, against the great engine of of, uh, of the ecological system and the companies that are associated with what they want to do. Um, I can't see it. Uh, you know, a documentary is not going to be impacting. I mean, <laughs> it's just not going to reach where they want to reach. Um, and I don't get me wrong, I mean, I think they have on occasion, they, they have the capabilities of knowing what's going to be taking place in future events, you know. They know when certain things are going to happen. They know where to be under certain conditions. And it's exactly the same with the phenomenon of the paranormal, you know. I mean, given information pertaining to 18 months into the future and you get correct, 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 at least I don't know how much the phenomenon knows into the future, but it certainly has some information they can give to you, which is... Yeah, it makes you think that your life's already set out, which mm. is a bit annoying, to be honest with you, because that means that we're doing really, are we really in charge of our own decisions, you know? But uh, we have accounts like that many times in past ideological research where we get fed information pertaining to future events, and yes, it happens. Um, you know, so, and we, we get a lot of stuff in the UFO, UFO phenomena where they seem to um, uh, appear all these incidents happening just prior to events taking place in them locations, you know, which is, you know, you look over over them all, and statistically you'd say, well, they must have had some idea something was going to be taking place. So um, it just makes it all so more profound. There's a lot more profoundness to the subject than just ETs traveling the vast distances of planets to get here and, you know, and examine us. There's definitely a, a, an interaction taking place that's been going on for a very, very long time. In regarding the technological argument, it's, it's a problem. It really is. Because, you know, for the average ufologist now, I mean, how are we supposed to ascertain what people are really seeing or not is a real tricky one. Because, like I say, a photo and a video just won't do it now. It won't cut it. You know, it's just uh, anything you see in movies, you know, anything can be manufactured now. And that's the real problem for us. I think credible, multiple, independent witnesses is probably going to put the top of the up at the Like, top of like the another Phoenix Lights to happen now where people have got... Another Phoenix Lights, yeah. absolutely, yeah. When we're, you know, when we've got radar data and so many witnesses and da-da-da-da-da. Fantastic, you know, but a video and photos, it's a shame because people are witnessing these things and occasionally the phenomenon will allow itself to be photographed. 
uh, undocumented, but it's frustrating to them because they're thinking, wow, you know, look, there's the evidence. Well, I know, but unfortunately, it's going to land upon a pile of evidence from everybody else around the world. We're just still asking the same old question. Um, I'm still trying to push forward. The, the whole point of Project Doorway was to manufacture a study program that brings and is deliverable of new, aerial, uh, new areas of research using specialised pieces of equipment. Um, and it also ties in with some of the leading research programmes which are currently underway um, by defence contractors regarding wormhole technology and that sort of thing. Um, it's basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, we wrote it into, actually what we did is we provided it into a course format, a UFO investigation course, a new one for the 21st century ufologist, allowing to bring in those areas, those other areas of, um, uh, of other subjects pertaining to similarities between them, um, and so that they're identifiers. Um, and we had the first, when we first released it, we had a, quite a, a, some new fun investigators were doing it. Uh, because it just was a big step away from the old nuts and bolts phenomena traveling the bastards on the planet Earth and da 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 da. Because we now know that we are on the verge of change and we having to reinvestigate and do things in a little bit of a different way um, to get some answers. Because you know we know we now know that phenomena can be conjured through the through the process of belief it's done in it's done in the c in, in c5 protocols it's like the same thing as around the science state seance table with five mediums or five meditators on a beach no difference um we know that it's interact and that phenomenon manifests as, as conjured is the real phenomenon as well it's not a you know it's not a a, a parlor trick it's it actually is the phenomenon manifests so it's interactive it's obviously consciously interactive so it's um we know that, and he's right, Greer, when he says, you know what, the government doesn't, can't control that. The government, you want contact, then you can have contact. You don't need a government to, for that. Um, the downside is, is that you need to prepare yourself and be aware of what you're going to be experiencing. And I would say, you know, as my colleague said the same thing, um, it's the, um, it's knowing, it's, re it's, re it's relying on that fight or flight response, you're, your capabilities of understanding if you're in an environment of danger. Um, and the biggest problem now is that, you know, many people just go out with sky watchers and investigations. They take the Coca-Cola and they've got the Mars bars and the candy bars and they, they, the amount of refined sugar they're eating that just reduce their adrenal weakness so much that the fight or flight might be screaming at them to say, get the hell out of there, and you can't hear it. They're just taking steps towards the phenomenon. That's the problem. I always say starve yourself of refined sugar for 72 hours. Try and clear it at least as much as you can from the body prior to a good investigation. You'd be surprised how uh, incredible the body can be in regarding informing you. The biggest organ across your body is your skin. It'll inform you when you get those goosebumps and, and whatnot. The hair goes up. That's what it's for. It's a survival sense. Um, you know, to, to rely on that. And if you feel that, you know, it's, you, it's a you're in a dangered area, just because you can't see it, just because you can't hear it, don't mean it's not there. Um, then back away. Don't be ashamed to back away. We've backed away many a times. Sounds sounds ridiculous, but we have done because sometimes you know we're unaware of what's going on. 
bit of a magician's hand goes on sometimes. You, you mentioned the deceptive nature of the phenomena and deceptive entities, and another set of deceptive entities would be UK politicians. And I just want to ask, I just want to ask you, you know, the UK's place in this official conversation. We seem to be sadly lacking, well behind when it comes to UFOs. Uh, Baroness Goldie, uh, a few months ago, or even last summer, I think it was, in Parliament, was asked about the, you know, UFOs and what was happening in the US and incursions into UK airspace, and it was it was chortled and laughed at and very much brushed aside. Um, do you see that changing in the near future here in the UK? Yeah, I think at some point we're going to be able to end up to the same point like the US. We will enter, enter into the process of doing some hearings by public demand. You know, I think we're going to sit back and see how it all unfolds in the US first. Uh, problem is, is that you know that they they, <laughs> they they claim they want to be forward and transparent and release documentation. Still waiting to release for them to release mine my documents you know they've not even released my files that i submitted to them uh, which involved investigation of you know three police officers two two triangular objects you know and there's a number i've got about three investigations they've not released that information it wasn't out um so that's still under the carpet somewhere you know um uh, so really it's not about being transparent it's pretentious it's it's to makes uh makes you think that they want to be transparent when they're putting out things which are just pretty much useless to us just information uh but the real core real good stuff is being kept back purposely so there's no trans you know no transparency there um it's it's a trick you know it's a parlor trick to make you think that uh, and it's been t- done time and time before. How many times has he said, oh, we've released it all now? And then, oh, well, by the way, we've just found a new lot. You know, they keep doing this. And I'm sure they've still sat on a lot. Uh, like I say, I'm waiting on my three files to appear. And mine haven't, you know. So, um, But I think that at some point there will be enough public demand to say we have to have inquiry. I don't want, a, I don't want hearings. I want a proper scientific inquiry done with the knowledge that we've gleaned for the last 70 years. Don't want no new hearing. Why do we have to bring in new faces to cover old stuff? We don't need to. We've learned so much more now, um, and we can pick up from there. But unfortunately, it's kind of gone right back to the beginning and been dragged right through again. And God knows, you know, if if they've even got enough information and energy to actually carry them on. To be honest with you, because this could go on for a very, very long time. I'm hoping there's going to be new hearings, and we're going to force new issues being looked at but um the, the the way it's done in america and the order of it it's it, it's a bit long-winded it's hard um but i'm hoping so i think the uk will get there to get at that point to some at some point there will be there'll be enough public demand to say we need some form of hearing but then the uk are then are responsible to turn around and say oh by the way we're also going to reboot it and call it the uap phenomenon and call it fall in line with the us uh and that's again is a, a problem for us Speaking of public demand, we'll talk about the Sold Out Awakening Expo, which happens in Blackpool uh, in England uh, between the 24th and 26th of June. Um, For listeners who may not have heard of Awakening, when did it start, Steve, and how has it changed over the years to the scale it is now? Um, Awakening, um, maybe about six or seven years, probably a little bit longer, maybe. it, it, we mostly hold our events in Manchester at uh, Bolu's Exhibition Centre, and it was, we quickly became the the largest um, event of its type in Europe. Um, with about two and a half thousand people, sometimes just over. 
Um, this year, we're doing a slightly smaller event, but it's a very specialised event regarding ancient mysteries. So we do cover some aspects of UFO stuff um, in Blackpool on June the 24th, 25th and 26th. Um, and um, we've got um, some of the main guys, uh, specialists in the field of study of, of ancient aliens or international theory attending. Uh, Giorgio Sicalis from the Ancient Aliens TV show. Uh, Eric von Daniken will be there. Um, and numerous other researchers on ancient mysteries and strange things like that from around the world. But we do, as I say, we are covering some aspects of UFO stuff as well. We've got Richard Doty coming over, the uh, the disinformation guy, so that'll be interesting. I, um, I got some uh, questions for you from listeners uh, about Richard Doty's at- attendance and controversial appearance about that. Like, oh, yeah. Um, I'm but, sure. I'm sure there will be. I mean, let me paraphrase because there was several of them, and I'll I'll put it politely. You know, given his his past, you mentioned disinformation agent. That's what people know him as. Um, there, you know, there's allegations of what he was involved in. He has talked about how you know he professionally lied, and that oh, did yeah. ruin people's careers and lives to various extents. Yep. What is the thinking in getting someone like that involved in this when there is a train of thought with some that would say he shouldn't be involved? Because we know, uh, anybody will realise when they've been involved in this subject enough, is that you never get full disinformation. There's always partial information. That's how it, how they're trained, and that's how it always works. And, um, you know, even if we if he's deliverable on the day and after his lecture, we can take 75% of the away and leave us 25% of real truth, then that's intriguing because there's 25% of information that is truth. We're going, we are going to be monitoring exactly what he's saying, and uh, and we have to take that line of stance that you know he's still beyond the bandwagon, you know, as could be, uh, and still disinforming. But all all disinformation officers are always told to blend the truth with the, uh, and what we're going to do is is we, we we've come a lot further now. We do know that there's some a lot of elements of truth we can identify. Now, it's not like the old days. Um, so we're hoping that some of that information will be really interesting. There might be some elements of it which is completely not true. Um, it's hard to know forever be sure. I mean, he's retired now, and he says he's quite happy to come and talk about his involvement with um, with this subject. Um, and I think it's just a matter, a matter of people being intrigued. I mean, people have said, you know, why would you have someone, you know, want to come and talk? Well, yeah, because... It is intriguing because did did he have access? The big question is, did he have access to that information? Because where is when he's talking about this stuff, where's that coming from? Where's the documentation? Where's the information coming from? Because it's not just circling around on the internet. It's, it's new material that's come, he's come forward and talked about, uh, and it's not on the, on the internet. So where's that, where's that information being delivered from? So it's intriguing. You know, I think there is dislike and his like, but... At the end of the day, you know, we we sum we sum it up whatever people are going to say. I mean, I try and keep as much evidence as I possibly can when it comes to moving forward in the subject. I've never had Richard Doty ever talk, um, though that I'm very very well aware of his background and the things he's been involved in. Uh, but also, I know that 25% of what he's going to be telling me is true because that's how they're trained. You know, that's that's what got me intrigued. 
more and more of these conferences and expos around the world are springing up and happening with more regularity, especially in the US. It's much harder in the UK to get, you know, especially on the scale that you're putting on with Awakening and you'd put on with Awakening. We mentioned before, and you're 40 plus years in this subject and going back 70 years, there's been a real, there was a stagnation at one point in the UFO subject. And then I feel in 2017, I mentioned that changed and a whole host of new names and new faces came on board, including people interested in the subject, but new witnesses came forward, scientists got more involved, people like Avi Loeb and many, many others Mm -hmm. now on the bandwagon, so to speak. How do you see Awakening adapting as an entity to accommodate the different areas of interest that people have? Well, I think so much more next year because um, the... 2023 um, awakenings, which is back in Manchester, um, and it's going to be the full, the full blown, the full main event, um, but the large one. Um, we have, I mean, the whole topic is about ufology evolved. I think that's actually the, the, the header name, ufology, ufology evolved, because it has, it has evolved. It has evolved, like you just said, with new research, new people. You know, and um, I mean, I'm involved with the, the SCU, which is Scientific Coalition of European Studies, which is a think tank in the US. And we're associated with the work that Avi Loeb is doing and, the, the, the you know, in, and the pulse of Eric, Eric Davis. I mean, we we shared at the same conference um, a few days ago. And Hal Puttoff and all these people are involved in certain in certain projects with information, which is intriguing, and we're pushing forward. Um, and the whole point of the this awakening for next year is about that side. Is about pushing forward. It's you know, it's where do we go now? Okay, we know what we know from all these years ago, but what now? Where do we go from now? You know, um, is it going to be such a big impact in regarding the information? That um, you know that that Louis is going to be coming out with, you know, because he's he's with us next year. Um, he'll have his new book out hopefully, and we're sharing some things that have never been talked about before. Um, and it's you know it's it's about moving forward. Where do we go from here? And what parties are involved? You know, Avi Loeb and many others, as other researchers out there, are providing their piece to the puzzle their specialist work and what's happening i'm seeing a little bit more of an academic and i'm glad of that don't get me wrong more of the academic less of the circus please you know but more of the academics look coming forward because though that we can all have a good laugh at this phenomena you know because it is quirky and unusual there is a seriousness to it real real complications to um to this phenomena and you know how it interacts with people um, and like you mentioned before, you know, do we do do we need to be defended against this phenomena? It's the old thing is, you know, well, you know, what do we do should should the should the dog turn on you? You know, it's that scenario, and we've all been there. We think about this all the time. Um, I don't know if it's ever reachable. I don't know. Um, it's hard to know, but it's about delivering answers. So. I think next year it's a bit more the science side about how we're moving forward with some new information. Yeah, I think there's always a room for, and I use the word, and people have mentioned this in the past, some find it offensive to say the woo, but that's just the way to, to accommodate you yeah, know, the, the yeah, spiritual. Yeah, that that's it. And then we've got the nuts and bolts scientific side of things. And for me, for too long, there's been a lot of conferences worldwide where you look at the list of names and it's sort of woo after woo after woo. 
And what we have now is a chance. And I would love to see me personally as a fan and someone who actually was meant to attend my first Awakening conference in 2020. I had tickets. Um, oh, it, it got cancelled. So I started a podcast. Oh. And, and here we are talking. And I'm going to be attending Awakening uh, with a stand this year, which is which is really cool. But I want to see names on there, not necessarily the same old names from that. You, you mentioned circus and that old school ufology of... You are right. Absolutely. You know, I mean, but like you know, I, I mentioned Avi Loeb, but obviously you've got the debrief with journalists like Tim McMillan, who'd be fascinating to listen to. Uh, I'd love to hear from if, you know, you could get pilots like Fravor, Dietrich, uh, Graves, oh, yeah. any of, again, there's a, a fee involved for you. And if these people want to come and, you know, the logistics of it and, and younger speakers as well, because so many more people, I don't class myself as young at 36, but I don't doubt when I turn up to awakening in Blackpool, I'm probably going to be on the very, very younger end of the demographic attending, let alone anyone speaking at the event. And I really think there's a massive gap in any of these. conferences. Yeah. I mean, you know, as well as I do, when it comes to awakenings, I mean, I try I mean, we've had a lot of props and things and made it a little bit like a Comic-Con in the past, uh, just so we can introduce new, uh, a younger audience into the subject because uh, we've got to consist, you know, consider where where we're going to be in 30 years' time. Who's going to be doing the research, you know? Um, who's going to be the, the person to deliver this information, pick up and carry on? Um, because it seems to be the same in crowd or a lot of the time in different places. And it's the same thing that's going around, the same information. I mean, surely from year to year, they just they couldn't, they wouldn't have the time to conduct all the research on investigations just to deliver new lectures every single year. It's too much hard work. Uh, but they've got their ear to the ground. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of things that's getting missed, lots of things. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, next year, it will help us go in a little bit more of a um, I'm more of a bit of an academic path because I think we, for the very first time, we can start introducing them because these have been interested, come into the subject interested because of what's happened with the Pentagon and the information coming out. It's caught their eye uh, without too much woo-woo, should we say, because we don't want to scare them off. But at the, same, at the end of the day, though, some of this phenomenon is woo-woo. Uh, like I said, and I had this discussion with the guys at SCU and I said, look, you know, I work. My, my specific job title working is paranormal mechanics and fringe topics within the realms of UAP and parapsychological work. That's my given specific area. And it's, it's, it's there. It's deliverable. The conclusive evidence is there. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, we know. Said, we, you know? And they said, oh, yeah, we know. We know. So, but. He said, "We can let's. We need to accumulate and keep it, you know. But we can't. We've got to drip feed it to the science guys, because if we just go, whoa, there it is. They're gonna go. Oh my god, I don't want to be involved in this, you know. And we don't want. Nobody wants that because this is for the first time we we really are getting some, you know, we're breaking some ground with new academics coming, you know, academic research coming forward and offering their services and new information coming from outside those circles. And that's brilliant. That's that's a big achievement." Um, so I'm hoping that we, we can carry on doing that. And next year is is no no option, no no different at all. Well, this year, 2022, I'll be there with my colleagues from UAP Media UK, Dan, who co-hosts oh, wow. with me, uh, Graham Rendell, who is an expert. You mentioned the Foo Fighters, has released his second book, and he's got his third on the way soon on the Foo Fighters really? of World War II. Fascinating. If you were looking for a name for 2023, Graham's presentations are 
incredible um, if you were looking for someone. Uh, Dave Partridge will be there with us and Vinny Adams. And I think you've been oh, on yeah. Vinny's podcast recently as well. Um, so we'll be there to meet people and speak to listeners. I know a lot of listeners have bought tickets for it too. 2022 is sold out, but 2023, when will that go on sale? Uh, well, we've still got a few tickets left. I mean, ticket quarter we were advertising, we've had to stop okay. a week or two before. Um, but you still, still have a few tickets available for purchase on the door on the day, which is fine. We just can't go through the process like ticket quarter does at the moment, taking electronic payments. Um, but you can purchase tickets on the door on the day. Um, and uh, a tickets for 2023, um, the pre-public tickets will first go out to those that are attending in Blackpool first for next year, allows them to get their ticket early because we have a vision that that's going to end up being sold out quite quickly because we, we have plans on, well, and I can't tell you now, but we've got some, we've got some plans for some big names coming to, uh, along, alongside who we have, like Daryl Sims, and he's going to be providing some of the new latest data um, in regarding some of his work and analysis. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and um, and of course some of the other stuff. I mean, not only we got you know we're going down that side with with, with Louis. We're we're hoping to get into the uh, the whole. I can't mention names at the moment, but um, once we've got them confirmed, we're in negotiations at this moment. So once we've got them confirmed, then they it should be very very interesting. Well, I certainly look forward to to being there. Finally, two years after I was meant to attend as a just a, a normal fan, you know, I'm, I'm going I to know. be there in a professional capacity, but looking to to meet people and enjoy it as well. Um, to finish up, I, I just want to ask you a couple of listener questions, Steve, if you don't mind. You've been fine. yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and just to to confirm the the winner of the pair of gold tickets for the weekend for the competition I ran on the podcast that were that were generously donated by Awakening. It was Davy Johnson. Davy's been contacted uh, to confirm his attendance. He's going to enjoy the weekend. Take along as plus one. So enjoy oh, that, Davy, and thank you everyone who got involved as well. Please do come and say hello to the the UAP media stand. I'll be there. Uh, on, definitely on the Saturday. Uh, I won't be there on the sunday because i'm attending liam gallagher at hamden in glasgow so <laughs> but i'm there on the saturday with my, my colleagues and look forward to speaking to people um but let's fire through some questions i've got dave smethers who i know is going to be at awakening so look forward to meeting dave again he asks what do you make of the reported beliefs of the collins elite about the phenomenon really being of demonic origins and tricking us all do you think those in the u.s military and intelligence community still buy into this uh, I believe some of them still do buy into it. I know there's, there's been many incidents where, should we say, certain um, study programs have come to a grinding halt because the phenomena demonstrates something that is non-desirable for researchers or even in the in the authoritative way want to get involved with. Um, and they do, it does, the problem is, is that the phenomena does uh, show aspects of that. It really does. In the, I mean, this is why it has a close connection with the supernatural and the occult. This is why the Germans were involved very, very, uh, very heavily into it. Um, yeah, it, 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 there is a lot of evidence to support that, that there's these um, aspects which do fall that way. Uh, it's problematic. Yeah, I mean, like I say, even if you want to start getting into, because we, we obviously we're already taking the mindset that we're working on a base plate of information, but even the original information about you know, the, 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 the devil and demons and Satan and all those sort of things is, is again, not correct. You know, it's, it's, if you actually check into those sort of things and the references and the information, um, it, it, it's, it's not 
all factual. Um, things have been added and changed, and uh, and uh, and that's a problem for us. Um, if it does, I mean, how do one how does one recognise a phenomena? I mean, and the name is you know is just a name at the end of the day, the devil, the demon, or whatever. It's just a name. It's the same thing that we investigate in the paranormal field. So many people say, oh, demonic entity, and da 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 da. It is all one of the same thing. You know, you just you just categorising something by its actions. You know, and if you know anybody can have a really bad day, <laughs> you know, so it's it's problematic. But uh, to the answer to that question is yes, I do believe there are aspects of this phenomena which is non-desirable for obvious reasons, and I'm not the only one that's actually referenced that. I believe a U.S. senator came out and mentioned about that some of these projects they wouldn't work on because the the people working on these specialized programs. Um, um, didn't want to get involved with it because the phenomenon demonstrates things that they recognise as demonic. Uh, it actually is. <laughs> there is a full section, military investigation and work carrying on, on a full section called Demonic Technology. It exists. Hal Puttoff mentioned this uh, only a few weeks back. So, yeah, uh, there is some approach to that. Next question from Tree of Life. We mentioned portals before. Um, has Steve found any correlation between clouds of orange-yellow mist and portals? Some examples, Terry Sherman of Skinwalker Ranch mentioned seeing an orange doorway in the sky. Linda Godfrey referenced the mist repeatedly in Monsters Among Us. And Victor Goddard, yeah. the RAF pilot, who allegedly time-travelled in 1937, did so by flying into a yellow-brown cloud. Uh, yes, sometimes, yes. Um, not just, you know, a couple of various different colours which have been seen. Um, amber is a very popular colour. When you say orange, you say uh, amber. We refer to a lot of these things as amber. Um, um, and um, they do vary in size and in shape. Um, if you're dealing with more the the ground-based phenomena, um, associated to certain um, uh, ancient sites and places like that, then that's a little, little bit different because um, it starts off by allegedly Barry being audible. Um, I know Barry, my colleague, is 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 done this drawing there, uh, uh, um, when a, it was something was actually happening with this. If you, I hate the name portal, but that's it's unfortunate. Can't get away from it. Um, and recordings, he obtained recordings of shifting rocks, rocks weren't shifting around, but also the drum, a drum beat. The drum beat was coming from the other side, uh, so it was recorded, not from this side. So, and it's a bit like the paranormal stuff, you know, it's like capturing EVPs and DVPs and things like that. But um, yes, there is, there are some. Um, some of these are very much triggered, trigger responses at times. Some are incorporated by the phenomena. Sort of manufactured by the phenomena, uh, and some are natural. But the natural ones will tend to use um, certain significant locations at certain times, um, be it sunrise and sun sunsets as well. Um, and the phenomena seemingly um, um, can manifest them or utilize them, you know, in some way. So it seems to be two different variables. Uh, Davey who was the ticket winner of the pair of gold tickets asks a question as well very lucky Davey uh, does Steve see any parallels between his areas of magnetic anomaly where there are hot spots of activity and Bruce Cathy's harmonics of the world magnetic power grid other energy ley lines as well uh, ley lines, dragon lines etc yes 
absolutely. Yeah, close to. I mean, these are. I mean, these are also identified by our ancient, our ancient ancestors who built places, resident chambers, specifically on certain key areas, because they knew that they could uh, they could utilize these locations as some form of doorway, or a, a method of being able to commute or contact um, the other side. That other side would be for communicating with deities or gods or obtaining information, um, that sort of thing. Um, the magnetic anomalies um, are more associated, rather than ancient sites, but more associated with the materialization of UAP phenomena uh, of various types and sizes. Um, and those are places over 250 nanotesla. Uh, the, if you were to see them on a magnetic map, they'd be kind of dark, purpley black areas. What I can say about the negative ones because myself and Barry's done a lot of I keep saying about Barry, it's Barry Fitzgerald who used to be the um, the lead investigator for Ghost Hunters International but um, uh, Barry was very much into this side of subject really, you know, so he always is his passion and we've been working together for quite a number of years now on this um, but um, we realised that even in negative areas, this is a very dark blue areas um, statistically, if you want to do checks in there, you'll find that there's high amounts of suicide, illness, crime. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a geological, the geology of the of, of the earth has an effect on the psyche um, and the consciousness of those that live in, in that area, you know. So, um, But then there's a little bit more to it because, you know, you have military sites that seem to be relocated to negative areas or places where ancient sites are. You've only got to go down to Salisbury Plain to realise that, you know, that uh, they're building these these weapon factories and and um, um, uh, and certain plants for chemicals um, in places where ancient sites sit. You know, and there's there's a reason for that, but I can't. <laughs> that'd be a whole new show, a whole other show. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of those we could go in the tangents off of for this one. Um, and final yeah. question, just because we are really running out of time, you've been very generous, Steve. Ash wants to know a little bit more about your investigations at the Winter Hill area in the UK and your best theory to explain the high strangeness in that area. Yeah, Winter Hill's been high strangeness for many, many years. I mean, there was a coven once, uh, which were relocated up there. I mean, during the 1600s, a controlling coven uh, of practicing witches, which were relocated up there. And um, uh, so they they stayed up there for quite some time. But it's a location where cryptids have been seen um, and experienced. UFO phenomena is a regular thing there. Lucky for me, I can look out my bedroom windows and stare out. I don't. I don't live here <laughs> just for a particular reason. I can look straight out my window, and, and I see looking straight at me. It's Winter Hill, uh, and I've experienced a few things up there myself. Some weird things. Um, it's, it is notorious for that up there. You know, I'm going to talk about certain locations. It's geology, geology, geology. You know, and uh, that particular location up there is, is strife with not only paranormal, ufological, and cryptids as well now, actually. So, and there's actually been a spate of unusual animals up there not too long ago. Um, I live in spitting distance of it purposely because uh, I'm always, I'm still on the ball investigating that place. Uh, and I've been involved investigating Winter Hill for many years, including a many black case uh, where they, they turned up after a cattle hand witnessed a UFO in, in one of the fields. Um, and there's other cases up I mean, there on Winter Hill which are really fascinating. Um, it seems to be one of those places that seems to just attract phenomena. And occasionally, 
you know, it just keeps rearing its head with people experiencing stuff. Brilliant. Steve, you've been wonderful with your time. And just to finish off, can you uh, tell people how they can follow you online and also your work as well? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there is my own website, which is stevemera.com, uh, M-E-R-A.com. Um, on there, you can see some details. Our first scientific document is up there, our first one of 10 on Project Doorway. So it gives you a bit of an idea on, on the uh, the magnetic anomalies and how phenomena seemingly interacts with it. Um, you can get hold of me through Phenomena Magazine, which is a, an e-zine, which is free to download every month. Um, uh, and, and along with all back issues, that's phenomenamagazine.co.uk. Um, or you can get in touch with me just basically through YouTube. We have YouTube channels. We have quite a lot of them with the Zohar channels. People will recognize them. Phenomena Magazine has its own YouTube channel. And we're all, we have a multitude of different platforms on, on Facebook as well, including my, my, myself. And, uh, and organizations map it m-a-p-i-t manchester's aerial phenomenal investigation team which i'm the chairman of which have been running since 1989 um i think it was formed in 1973 so it's still going and i'm also the founder of scp the scientific establishment power psychology based in the uk in manchester so um any places like that you'll, you'll find so you know so many different places i'd just say Google me, Steve Merrow, you'll find me somewhere. Um, uh, if anybody has any questions or wants to get in touch, then uh, just just get in touch. My, my, my email's out there, personal email's out there, and we'll link to all these websites. So. Brilliant. Folks, Awakening Expo is happening in Blackpool, England, 24th to 26th of June. Like Steve says, tickets will be available on the door. Please come along, say hello. It would be great to meet you, and I'm sure you'll have a wonderful time as well. Steve, thank you very much. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue.